and welcome to a new year and the new season of the Ask an Introvert podcast. I'm your host and life coach for introverts, Jennifer Ho. Today, we're going to talk about three life principles for introverts. These three principles are truths that you can adopt for yourself to lead your life in a way that works for you and get you started on your dream life. Principle number one, have self-respect. Respect yourself. You already know what you think of yourself matters more than what anyone else does. If you don't respect yourself, it is impossible for you to live a life full of trust and admiration and love because you literally won't be able to create these feelings for yourself. Pause and ask, can there be trust without respect? Can there be love without respect? Can there be admiration without respect? No, no, and no. These days, we have social media and just a barrage of everything online constantly telling us we're not good enough. We see so many ads that try to sway us to buy things by making us feel bad about ourselves. And at the end of the day, all of these outside messages and narratives can only affect us depending on our own mindset. It's so easy to look in the mirror and think, oh, I'm too young. I'm too old, I'm too introverted, my body's not the right shape, I'm just not smart enough. But when you tell yourself all of these things, all of these subpar thoughts, your insecurities will radiate and it will cause you to wonder about what other people are thinking about you. It will cause you to continue to act in ways that affirm your insecurities. And really, you know, when we're telling ourselves and holding ourselves back, because we're worried about other people's judgment that hasn't happened yet, oftentimes we forget that we're the ones who are thinking these in the first place. We're prompting this in the first place based on what we think might happen or based on our interpretation of what the rest of the world might be saying. Now, if someone has actually said these things to you, we'll dig into that too. But I want you to take a close look at where all of this is really just playing out in your mind because our minds are so easily influenced by what we repeat. And when we're prompting ourselves with questions like, what will people think? We're visualizing things that our silly, silly brains can't really discern if it's true or not. Now, back to if someone actually says mean things to you. In this case, I would challenge you to think about why are they saying that? I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, you don't find any good in being mean to others. So do you actually have respect for people who say mean things to you? What can be their motivation for that? Do you like what they're saying? Do you like them? Do you value their opinions or... Did you subconsciously and unintentionally let the things that they said stick permanently in your mind? Was it a conscious and intentional decision to hear these people saying mean things out? Do you really believe them? Do you really trust them? And what do you get out of listening to them? My biggest example from my life is going to be my mom. The parent-child relationship is one where you literally need your parents' protection. 
And before you're an adult and can fend for yourself, you want to be in their favor because being agreeable with them means that you can keep the peace, means that you can be safe. And that's how I felt with my mom as a kid, for sure. And I'm recognizing now that by adopting her opinions and valuing them over mine, I end up disrespecting myself. And this shows up a lot when it comes to things that my mom said to me while I was growing up. Actually, even today, it feels really normal to be called ugly, to be called stupid, to be called useless. And before I say more, I do want to share that while I don't excuse or find this behavior acceptable, I also don't resent my mom for it. Because now I know she was exposed to an upbringing where insults are supposed to be like motivation. How that logic works, I don't know. But if you're called ugly, supposedly you're motivated to act in ways that will make you pretty. Or if you're called stupid, you'll be motivated to study and get smarter. And if you're called useless, you'll be motivated to find purpose in your life. My mom just didn't know any other way. And... I know that definitely doesn't make it okay, but at least I don't resent her and I can have a better relationship with her now. Okay, back to the story. Being called stupid, ugly, useless. None of this really adds up for me when I stop to think about it. I did well in school, plenty of people asked me out, and I still thought I was dumb and unattractive. And that's because my own thoughts are really powerful and because I had zero self-respect. I was young and learning from other people and I hadn't applied my critical thinking skills or fully discerned what I wanted to accept for myself. I really didn't know how mean those words were until I said them out loud and my best friend had this reaction. It's actually very recent. I told her like really casually as if it was completely normal that my mom calls my sisters and me ugly. And my friend immediately goes, but that's so mean. And part of me was like, I know it's mean, but I also don't really know. And then she follows up with, but you're also pretty. And I was still surprised. And still unsure if that's the truth. A part of me still felt that. And this is how powerful our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves are. I'm now someone who can look at myself in the mirror and genuinely see a beautiful person staring back at me, but I still have doubts to be mindful of. I still have to make a practice of respecting myself. When I respect myself, it's easier for me to like myself, love myself, be attracted to myself, and compliment myself. It's through this practice that I trust myself to really just be me in my interactions with other people and to commit myself to my goals and dreams. And you know what? Through this self-practice, the self-respect, the bonus is that there are plenty of people who tell me that they think I'm so confident, so radiant, so nurturing, so loving. And my first reaction is not, they must be lying anymore. That's because when you develop your self-respect and have healthy thoughts and beliefs about yourself, it naturally gets communicated to others. 
So there's really no need to convince or prove yourself if you have your self-respect. By the way, this is a skill we work on in the Take Root one-on-one program. So if any of this resonated with you, I encourage you to book a discovery call with me to dig deeper and potentially work together. As always, the link is in the show notes. Now, principle number two, know your boundaries and uphold them. Boundaries are a communication tool to let other people know where you stand and help you advocate for yourself and your values. The first thing I want you to ask is, are you willing to advocate for yourself? And I ask this because I know your energy is finite and I know boundaries can help you spend your precious energy in the ways that are most meaningful to you. Your boundaries are for you. In a world where people feel entitled to your time and your energy and a yes, boundaries are required. And it's not as simple as just saying no to things, you know, but I also don't think that boundaries are a bad thing. And the world has at times made that out to be a bad thing because they want to take your time and energy and they want you to say yes and they want you to please them. There's a few ways I think of boundaries. So for our rule following and logical minds, I think of boundaries as personal policies. And for the spiritual energy in us, I think of boundaries as natural and magical force fields. For our physical bodies that contain us, I think of boundaries as our skin. Our skin literally discerns where we end and the rest of the world begins. We have these boundaries that are built into who we are, and then some of them we get to decide what they are. We get to decide our energetic and emotional boundaries. We get to decide how to spend our time and energy. We get to decide who to trust with our deepest thoughts, our aching vulnerabilities, and our full selves. Boundaries might sound like separation, but they're not immovable walls. Boundaries are more like a spectrum. Whether it's policies, force fields, skin, boundaries take many forms for many different use cases and scenarios. And one scenario that comes up often with my clients is feeling like a magnet for people and their complaints. This is so common for introverts. And if you are also an empath and a highly sensitive person, you understand this on an even deeper level. Whether you identify as all three of those things or just one or two, I know that you're an amazing listener and you want to be there for your people. And you also understand that everybody complains. Even so... It gets especially tiring when a friend or a coworker or a cousin continues to ruminate on the same thing and complains about it over and over again. We care about others, but we don't have to tolerate behavior that doesn't align with us just because we see the good or the potential in them. An example of this in my life is I had a coworker who always vented about the exact same thing and always rehashed the exact same stories. We would be sitting down for lunch in the break area and the group could be laughing together, having a great time, and this person would still butt in and kill the vibe. Every chance they got, they would butt in. Did I tell you about this? They would butt in. Can you believe what my boss said to me? They would butt in with, why does this always happen to me? 
Yeah, I don't have room in my life for people who refuse to see the role they play in things, who refuse to try to shift their own emotions and their thoughts, people who refuse to take responsibility for what happens in their life. So I did all that I could, which was take responsibility for myself. I recognize my role in putting myself in these spaces where I encounter this person. Let's call them the ruminating complainer of a coworker. So, you know, I started to eat my lunch half an hour earlier and I declined all social activities that included them. If there was anyone I did want to get to know better, I just reached out to that person directly for a one-on-one or to go to lunch together. But let's assume you have a ruminating complainer that you want to keep in your life. What do you do then? If you've exhausted all your like low-key, more passive strategies, like changing the topic every time they bring it up, or leading by example and not complaining to them, beyond that, how do you deal with this person? It's time to draw boundaries. <laughs> and depending on how much you'd like to continue showing up in this relationship, here are two options. So with a ruminating complainer, your option number one is to set an emotional boundary. Separate yourself from their problems because their issues are not your issues. They can say all they want, but you don't have to be swept up in what they're saying. Option number two, you actually have to communicate with them, which is setting a behavioral boundary. Let them know that you can't keep showing up for them in this way. Chances are they have an expectation that they can talk to you about the same thing over and over again, that that's their definition of someone being there for you. But you have to manage the expectations of the relationship You communicating your boundary will show them that there's a limit. Now, if you want, you can apply both options. Regardless, it doesn't mean that you are a bad person if you draw your boundary. You have to take care of yourself to be there for others. And I think you'll also respect yourself more when you take care of yourself. If you're really, really worried about this ruminating complainer, another next step can be to suggest that they talk to an expert about their problems. And, you know, they're in your life for a reason. You see good in them for a reason. You see potential in them for a reason. Perhaps you communicating these things will help them break their own cycle. And if they want to move on from the problems that they have, or if they want to improve their life, if they really want to have a healthy relationship, with their loved ones and with you, it could be really good for them. If you would like guidance and support in defining your boundaries and upholding them for various relationships in your life, I would love to invite you to the Take Root 101 program. The first step is to book a discovery call and you know where the link is. Now, principle number three, set your personal standards to live by. If self-respect is foundational for you to cultivate other supportive emotions for yourself, like self-trust, self-love, and so on, and then boundaries help you claim your energy for the most meaningful experiences, where do personal standards come in? Well, I like to think of them as a customized handbook or a personal manual for living your best life, and you can also write one for your future self living your dream life too. If I really have to put a definition to it, personal standards are rules that you set. 
that will guide your decisions, shape how you behave, and define the kind of energy you want to be in and to attract. We're humans and in our most vulnerable and potentially weak moments, it's hard to make decisions in support of the best life we can live. Having personal standards makes that a lot easier. When I'm tired, the first step, like what I think is easy in the moment, is to order DoorDash instead of cooking a meal for myself. I very readily would give in to convenience and comfort at any given time if I didn't have standards to make my decisions off of. Because in those spur-of-the-moment emotions, like... You know, it's been a long day, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I want something to soothe myself. Gosh, I want to choose the convenience and comfort. But if I hold the vision for my best life, um, then that's not going to happen. Let's break this down some more. Personal standards are designed based on your values. And for each value, there are deep-rooted beliefs that either support them or derail them. And what you want to do is to ensure that your beliefs support your values. So for me, I have this vibe of, how do I put this? How would my friends describe me? Like, you just don't mess with Jennifer, right? It's clear what she stands for. And it's not just about communicating this with others, but really... My vibe with myself is I stand for this and I'm not going to budge. In my case, while DoorDash is super alluring when in the moment it just want to be taken care of, I stand by my value of health. And the beliefs that support that value are I have the most control over what I put in my body when I feed myself home-cooked meals. This one is super specific, more specific than I control what I put in my body because that can be left up to various interpretations, such as ordering a salad on DoorDash, but I won't really know if there's preservatives in the dressing or if the serving size might be too big or if that's not really what I wanted to eat, so I end up cooking and having another meal at home to satisfy that. And then the other belief is that cooking for myself ensures my well-being and is a therapeutic process. So it's more than just my physical health. Defining the values and then choosing really specific beliefs makes it easier to make all these little day-to-day decisions. I call them micro decisions. And I know that ultimately for each of us, the micro decisions we make in our daily lives affect our behavior and our behavior creates our quality of life. I think for everyone, like a good quality of life includes feeling fulfilled, but that's fuzzy and can be a little bit elusive to create. So if you break it down into more tangible things like your well-being, your personal finances, your relationships, your job satisfaction, your personal standards will help define all of these parts of your life. They, They define your existence. They nudge you to become better versions of yourself. They keep you committed to your goals and your dreams, and they help you stay true to yourself. I encourage you to reflect on your own personal standards. How do you want to treat yourself? How do you want others to treat you? What kind of people belong in your life? 
food, travel, work, all the various aspects of your life, what do you want to give and need to receive back from each area? I want you to hold personal standards for all of this. And then they choose these words very carefully. Standards are especially important because unlike expectations, you can work hard for them and raise your life up to them. You have agency and control with standards, whereas expectations have that energy of waiting for things that come to you or the energy of things happening to you. No, you're an active participant in your life. So to recap the three life principles for introverts, number one, have self-respect. Respect yourself. Number two, know your boundaries and uphold them. Number three, set your personal standards to live by. You have to choose yourself and you get to decide for yourself. Life is both too short and too long for us to live according to someone else's style, rule book, or expectations. And that's why in the Take Root 101 program, we work on your self-respect, boundaries, and standards so that you choose the stories and narratives and thoughts and beliefs that you have for yourself and really figure out your own style of living, whether that's at home, at work, and really everywhere you go. I know you have goals and dreams that you know you're meant for, but right now, maybe they feel too big or too weird. And let me tell you, they're not. They only feel that way because you aren't allowing yourself to be completely you yet. A part of you knows you're meant to live your life a little unconventionally, maybe even a lot, probably a lot. Something tells you that you're meant for it, but because no one around you is doing that way, it feels really scary. But let me tell you, you have to be the example that you need. It's time to stop diluting or flat out avoiding your own opinions, needs, and dreams. So if you want to become grounded in who you are and grow into the person you actually want to be and live your dream life, I invite you to the Take Root one-on-one program. I can hold that space for you. That's what I'm here for. And there are so many, many ways to approach your life goals and dreams, and we will figure out your way. Book your discovery call with me, or if you have a question, send it to me on LinkedIn or Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask an Introvert podcast. If you're excited about the future of this podcast as much as I am, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share this episode on your socials. I would appreciate any and all of those so very much. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode. Bye.